Welcome back to Stateside Lily Whites, your source for all things Tottenham Hotspur this side of the Atlantic. I'm your host, Sam Holden, and today we've got a lot to cover, including the big match coming up this Friday with Manchester City. Big FA Cup clash, which, I mean, you just can't understate how important that match is for us and for our club moving forward. Uh, everybody wants a trophy. Everyone in and, in and around Spurs, those not invested in Spurs, those who are, recognize the importance of this trophy and bringing some success to Tottenham. So that's a big match coming for, coming up for us. And you know what? Honestly, looking at the positives, I think it's an opportunity for us to to get rid of one of the big contenders early on, just in uh, in one of the earlier rounds. And it's, uh, you know, it's one less big team to, to have to compete come towards the end. So trying to find the positives there. So we're going to cover some of that. We're also going to cover some of the transfer news. The January transfer window is coming swiftly to an end. We've already had a busy transfer window, but it seems like maybe just maybe we could have a bit more action, which would be great. I think so many Spurs fans, we've been so starved of, of, of action, especially here in this January transfer window that... Uh, for us, having been so active, it's just, you know, it's signs of all the good things happening here at Spurs. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the Spurs who are away on international duty, as well as those on loan. We're going to talk about Joe Lewis and all of his legal dealings. But first, I think we have to start with the big news. If uh, if you're involved with Spurs in any capacity, you've seen it on social media, the big news is that our number 10, James Madison, he's back. He is back uh, his hair's a bit longer, uh, but he's looking good. He's looking fit. He's looking, you know, all smiles on his end, all smiles on our end. And you can really feel the relief. Honestly, you can feel the relief of, of having him back. And, I mean, you just look at the way we played at the beginning of this season with him at full force. And, you know, the fact that we've done so well without him in the last couple of months since that sort of terrible game over at, um, at home against Chelsea back in November, I think, I think if we can just recapture even just a percentage of some of the form that we had and the confidence that we had moving the ball through the lines, having James Madison back, I mean, it, it's huge for us, as well as building out the squad around him. So having him back is huge. Um, it seems like Lo Celso is going to miss out this weekend against Manchester City. But, you know, in my head, the way you know Lo Celso has been such an able deputy for, for Madison with him being out when, when Lo Celso has been able to play, and so the idea of being able to have a healthy Madison and an invested Lo Celso, it's just great. Being able to have Madison kind of put his his foot on the gas pedal hard for 80, 90 minutes and bring on Lo Celso for to kind of, you know, to kind of bring him on and um and as a replacement and an able deputy, I think I think it's just great for us. So having James Madison back, it's huge. You know, all of our players, I think especially the one that's, that sticks out for me is is Christian Romero. I think Christian Romero is a different player when he's able to play, you know, that 10 to 20-yard ball through the line straight to Madison's feet who just turns on a dime and, and then sends it up. Romero is one of the players that really benefits. I think one of the weaknesses of Romero's game is some of his distribution isn't always that great. And so I think having, having Madison there to receive the ball, turn, and pass it forward, I, I think is huge, as well as having Basuma in there. But... But, you know, Basuma's out having a pretty successful international tournament with Mali. So, but either way, having having Madison back, it's just huge for us. I think everyone recognizes that. I wouldn't assume that he's going to be able to play at all um, uh, close to 90 minutes with uh, at this City game coming up on Friday. I'd be very surprised if, if he if he went any if he was in the starting 11, surely not. But and even if he went anything more than 20 minutes, I think I'd be quite surprised I think Ange realizes just how valuable Madison is and that the FA Cup, while it is important, 
I do think that, you know, for, for Postacoglu and most of us as fans, I think having having Madison for the longevity of the rest of the Premier League season and not rushing him back too soon, I, I think that's really important. And so, you know, I, I expect that we'll maybe get a cameo out of James Madison, maybe something a bit longer, depending on, on the way the game goes tomorrow or on, on, on Friday. And so I think that I think that it'll be great to have him back, but I, I don't assume it'll be anything more than just maybe a bit of a cameo or just having him be an uplifting presence on the bench. I, I think um, I think that's all we can really expect from Madison having been out for so long. But either way, it's it's happy to have him back, have our number 10 back, even if it's just on the bench. I think it's a huge boost for all of us. But that that brings us to the game coming up on, on Friday. I mean, what a big game. What, I think when, when the tie came out, I know for myself I was immediately disappointed because, you know, you see that Manchester City emblem and you're kind of thinking, oh gosh, here we go. But, you know, honestly, the more I've had time to, to kind of ruminate it, ruminate on it and, and think about it, I really think that it's a great opportunity for us. I think Manchester City, you know, we've we've been their bogey team for, for a couple years now. And so I, I would assume that they're going to go full pedal to the metal on that game. Uh, but I also see no reason why we're not going to go, you know, full throttle forward. I think we haven't played in, what, 10, 12 days. And so I... I, and with our squad coming back into into fitness, and as well as the importance of of a successful cup run, even if it's not doesn't end in a trophy, I think just a successful cup run would be really really important for us. Something to to galvanize the fans a little bit, even more so than they already have been around Postacoglu. So, yeah, I think this game is big, and I think you know if if we look to the bright sides, I think I think there's a lot of things that we can look at. I think one of those is that. I think it's easy and you kind of want to draw the port veils and whatnot early in these rounds and kind of get yourself to the latter stages. But you also, you want to be tested in some of the early phases of these matches. You want to be tested. You want to have the opportunity to knock one of the big boys out. And I think the opportunity for us to, to knock Manchester City out, we have a great opportunity to do that at home where they're yet to beat us. They're going to be fielding a strong a strong 11, but you know, we're coming back into form. We got Madison back on the bench. I, I really think, I really think that, you know, it's an awesome opportunity for us as we, as we look to, you know, maybe a successful cup run with this year. And so I think, uh, I think that's, I think that's uh, going to be a really big match. You know, I anticipate it being full throttle. I am, I don't anticipate and doing anything other than what he's done all year, which is hell for leather, allowing players like Kulosevsky and, and Richarlison, maybe even Brennan Johnson, allowing Udogi and Poro to really sort of, you know, have free reign to kind of go do what they've done so well this season. And so, yeah, I really think I really think it's a great it's going to be a great tie. Win or lose, I think it's going to be a great tie. Um, anytime you know we get to play a Pep Guardiola side with the type of football that we're that we're playing, I think is I think it's awesome. And so, um, you know, that's that's the 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 optimist in me now the pessimist in me also looks at uh, a certain Mr. Kevin De Bruyne coming back into the fold and Manchester City really starting to get into that that time of the year where you know the all the games kind of go to one side and they, they kind of start getting sort of you know they start smelling blood in the water they start to see the, the the silverware at the end of the line they're seeing their gap at the top of the Premier League they recognize that they haven't been remotely the type of team that we expect them to be due to injuries and form and, and, and all sorts of different things. And so, you know, I fully expect Man City to come out roaring with a really, really, really strong 11. I think this is a big, it's a big trophy, but also I think, you know, you hear Pep Guardiola giving his, 
his interviews about Tottenham and he says one of the few things he hasn't done in his career is win away at Tottenham. And so I think, I think he knows that we know that his players know that. And I think you're going to see that in both the tactics and, and the feel of this game. I I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great game, really high intensity, high tempo. Um, And it's just great that, you know, we're playing well and that we've got a squad who can really compete, not just not just with our effort, but also with our talent. You know, we've got a really talented squad, even without the likes of Saar and Basuma, Madison, who probably will come off the bench. Sonny's missing. So, you know, I really think that we have an opportunity uh, with our squad depth. um, And I think and I think there's there's a really good chance for us here. So, you know, I've got a projected team here. I think it's no surprise that as we look to a, a possible team and starting 11 on Friday that you see Vic in goal, Vicario in goal. I think he's, you know, I, I don't think Ange is of the opinion that we should be sitting our, our number one and best keeper just because it's a cup tie. I think it's an opportunity for Vicario to continue to cement himself as one of the Premier League and one of the England's best uh, best goalkeepers, if not one of the world's best goalkeepers. So I think Vicario is going to start in goal. We love Fraser Forster, but... You know, I think I think his time as as starting for Tottenham is is probably gone. He's an able deputy, but but again, I think I think we'll see Vicario in goal. As for a back four, you know, I'd be really surprised if it was anything other than the back four, which has proven so far to be our first choice back four. I would be pretty surprised if Udogi didn't start as our left back. You know, I could see maybe a world in which Sessegnon started at left back, but I also don't get the sense based on the one little cameo that we had from from Ryan Sessegnon as he comes back from injury. I don't get the sense that that Ange necessarily trusts him in the in the left back spot, especially not to do all the things that Ange asks of a left back. And so, you know, I'd be I'd be really really surprised if if it was anyone but Udogi. Um, I also think that um, I you know I think Ben Davies is still out with with that hamstring injury, and and I again I don't think that. That Ange really looks at Ryan Sessegnon as a left back. I think he looks at him as more of a as a you know an an alternate left winger. Um, but again, I think with a lot of the injuries that Sessegnon has had over the years, that some of that pace is gone and some of that youthful energy is gone. You know, his move to Spurs has, has not been great. So I expect to see Sessegnon on the bench, but but I don't expect him to to start over Udogi. I don't expect pretty much anyone in the Premier League to start over Udogi the way he's playing. Uh, I've gone for left center back of Van de Ven. I think Van de Ven had a really strong performance in the Premier League a couple weeks back against United. I think for him to step back into that role after so much time out is, is a testament to what a player he is and the trust that Ange has in him. And so I would really expect to see Van de Ven in that left center back spot next to Christian Romero. I think, you know, Romero and Van de Ven, that's our top choice. Now, I will say, I think there's maybe an element of, of question here. Ange Postacoglu's had, you know, a couple weeks, if you know, two, maybe two full weeks with with Radu Dragusin, and so, I, you know, I, I really wouldn't be surprised if maybe we saw Dragusin in, instead of Van de Ven. It seems like uh, the Dragusin can really play on that left side, a right-footed left-sided center back position, and so I, I think that maybe we could see Dragusin, but again, with it having only been two weeks since his transfer to Spurs to go up again in a big FA Cup match to, you know, to the former champs. I think I think we would expect to see players like Van de Ven and Romero who have been a bit more cemented in in Postacoglu's system so far. So, uh, but, you know, I think maybe there's an element of doubt there. And I'd love to see Dragushin come in and, and play that aggressive style against against some of Man City's front three. So that could be, that could be an interesting one to look out for. Uh, at right back, 
I think with a lot of the transfer, transfer speculation going on with, with Royale, as well as the form of Pedro Porro, I've th- I mean, you could really argue that Pedro Porro has been our our best player of the season. Honestly, I think he's been he's been a revelation so far. I think after a really kind of tough first start to to his life at Spurs, I think the the goal the goal in the FA Cup a couple weeks ago really sort of cemented how his transformation into you know our first choice right back as well as you know one of the figureheads of our team. He's Honestly, you take you take Lo Celso and you take Madison out of this team, and genuinely, I believe that Pedro Porro is one of our best creative options. I think he he has an amazing right foot. He is able to generate a lot of power. He puts in great crosses, low, great crosses. I I, I think that he's got an opportunity to to continue to be a figurehead in the Spurs team. So I, I expect to see him. And then I think. As for as we look to our midfield, I would be really surprised if it was anyone but Ben Tenkor and Hoybier. I think you know maybe maybe we could see Skip. Skip has done a really good job coming in and providing some energy, and you know he Skip has been really really productive when he has come on. But I think both the the experience as well as the as well as the know how of of players like Ben Tenkor and Hoybier. I think we're at a point now where if Ben Tenkor is healthy, he plays. You know, I th- I don't think we're far away from our what everyone kind of assumed to be our best midfield trio of Madison, Basuma, and Bentancourt. And so I think if, if Bentancourt is healthy, I think he plays even more so, especially after a great goal at, uh, against Manchester, Manchester United over the weekend or over last weekend. And so you know, I'd be, and so I'd be, I'd be really surprised if Bentancourt didn't play. Uh, again, with Hoybier, I think Hoybier, honestly, for a player who has been so uh, rattled with uh, with transfer speculation around his name, I think he's actually done a really good job. I think I've gained a newfound respect for, for Hoybier because I, I just think that despite, you know, it takes a certain type of player, despite all the transfer speculation that he's well aware of. I, that he, I mean, he's totally aware of all the teams that are looking at him. You know, F- I think Fulham was in for him pretty deep. I think it was Juventus who were in for him. There's a series of Serie A teams who were who were kind of in for him, and so I I think to for him to to have played the football that he's played, despite all those transfer speculations, I think is a testament to him. He's been a great player, and so I think without without Basuma without Sar, I think next up is is Hoybier. and then you know I've gone for Kulusevski in this number ten role. Kulusevski on top of Porto and maybe Son. As well as Madison, of course, has kind of shown to be one of our players of the season. And for Kulosevsky, it's it's mainly due to the fact that you could put him in essentially any one of those front four positions and he would excel. I think his hold-up play is great, his creativity is great, and he has probably the best engine of any player on our team, if not in the entire in the entire Premier League. And so, you know, I I really like Kulosevsky in sort of that number 10 creative position where he gets the ball, turn, and, and throws it out wide to whoever's playing on the winger. Um, and so, you know, I, I really think that we'll see Kulosevsky, uh, his engine, and he's always played really, really well against Manchester City, finding pockets of space, you know. And I think in that number 10 position, he's not asked to track back as much, and he can really be an out ball for us. And that's really how we've succeeded against Manchester City in the past. We've you know, I know that that's not our tactics now, which is sort of beating teams on the break. But but really, I think we, the the way the way we've played well against Manchester City in the past is sort of again soak up that pressure and then be brave and bold as we get the ball and move forward. And brave and bold is is Kulusevski to a T. And so you know, again, I'd be I'd be surprised if he wasn't in some way involved. 
And I think without Lo Celso, who's still out, and Madison, who's not fully fit, I, w- I would expect to see him in that in that number 10 position. And then on the left wing, I've gone for, for Timo Werner. You know, I, I think, you know, I, I really think that, that Timo Werner is an awesome signing for us in more than one way. I think for us, he doesn't need to be a goal scorer. He doesn't have to be that. We've got players like Kulisevsky and Richarlison and Sonny when he's in the team and, and all different players um Saar who's proven goals from midfield we've got Bentancor who's always proven like he can provide goals from midfield as well as our, our defenders have, have have been you know scoring at a pretty high clip for defenders so far this season and so I think Timo Werner kind of comes into the team and he doesn't need to be a goal scorer but what Timo Werner is great at is scaring the defense with his pace and creating chances and while sure I mean there's no you can't question the fact that he has not been the most confident or able player in front of goal either at his time in Chelsea or his brief cameo earlier this season or earlier this month against against Manchester United and so you know I don't expect him to be a goal scorer I don't expect him to be a guy who's going to come in and who's going to rack up the goals as Sonny's gone no one's going to do that he's it's Son Heung-min for God's sake no one's going to be able to replace him but but I do think that Timo Werner is going to have the opportunity to to come in and, and be productive and and do all the things that we need from a winger, you know, be energetic and, and do all the things that, that Ange expects. I think he his pace alone scares the living crap out of defenders, Manchester City included. I will say that he is coming, if he does uh, play on that left wing, that he will be coming up against the best right back probably in the world in Kyle Walker, and so his pace may be negated a bit, a bit, but at the very least we can maybe offset some of Kyle Walker's pace with, with having Timo Werner out there on the left. On the right, I've gone for Brennan Johnson, you know, Brennan Johnson's been a, an interesting an interesting one so far for us. He kind of falls into that category and warrants the discussion. Has he been has he been a good signing? Has he been a bad signing? Has he been productive, not productive? And so I, I think we're we're still in that phase where we're kind of trying to suss out whether or not Brennan Johnson how it's going for Brennan Johnson. And so you know I'm of the opinion that he's come in, he's gotten assists, he's gotten a goal or two. And I, and I think, again, like Timo Werner, he's he's never going to be the guy, at least not in this current setup, he's not going to be the guy that comes in and, and gives us 20 goals and bags 10 assists and, and does all those things. But he doesn't need to be. He just needs to be, you know, he needs to show his pace. He needs to be a bit brave and he needs to, you know, to, to, to fly down that right-hand side. And I will say, assuming that Gvardiol is starting at left back for Manchester City, I think Gvardiol is, is, is overrated. And I, I don't know if I necessarily rate him, especially not as a left back. And so I think Brennan Johnson has a really good opportunity here to, to find some space behind Gvardiol, use his pace to get in and put in some great crosses for Richarlison, which is what he's done all season. Uh, and going to the number nine, yeah, I'm going with Richarlison. I, I don't, I don't see a world in which Richarlison doesn't start. He's been, you know, I think it's what six and six, six goals and six matches for for Richarlison in the Premier League, and you know, I I, I expect him to to continue that in the FA Cup. I th- I think he's he's proved really well. I think the crowds behind him and Richarlison's just a player that you know he just needs that. He he needs that time. He needs that, um, you know, he needs the service, and he also needs the the support from the fans. And I think big match. He's on a good goal-scoring run, you know, in front of that south end. I I I really think that Richarlison is is going to be a, you know, is going to be you know productive for us, not just in this game, but but in you know, and for the rest of the season moving forward. But I've gone for him in in this match. I I think he's going to be great. As for Manchester City, again, you know, kind of going back to it, I would be very surprised if City didn't do everything except 
go absolutely hell for leather. I would expect to see De Bruyne, if not in the starting 11, I would expect to see him coming on pretty quickly early into the second half, you know, depending on depending on how the game's going. And so, uh, but but besides that, I expect them to field a, a pretty strong a pretty strong eleven. We're going to see Rodri. We're going to see Ruben Diaz. We're going to see probably John Stones as well. Gavardiol at left back. Kyle Walker at right back. Ederson, assuming he uh, is healthy. And so, I assume that we're going to see a, a Manchester City team who's who's looking to kind of knock off Spurs, who who've been that bogey team for them. Um, but I think it's going to be a great game. If I had to give it a score prediction, you know. I, I'm gonna back my Spurs. I think I think something in the realm of of two one or three one. Honestly, I think as as City, if I think if we can clip an early goal, City are gonna open up a little bit. They're gonna start bringing on more attacking players, and I think that gives license to players like Brendan Johnson and Timo Werner to kind of get in behind. And so you know, I I I think I think a two one or a three one in favor of Spurs suits us, and and I think we I think we'd be well well deserving of it. I think we've been great and. And I think we've got a confidence against Manchester City that not a lot of teams do. That being said, Manchester City comes out and puts six on us. That also wouldn't surprise me because they are still unchallenged as the best team in the in the country. So um, I'm excited. I think I'm looking forward to you know a pretty exciting game. Moving on to transfers, I think I think there's uh, despite having it already been a, a busy a busy January, I still think that there's a good amount of stuff kind of going on and and more dust that needs to be settled. I think that since Ange has come in, we've we've done a really good job of selling, you know, kind of that quote unquote dead wood. I think we've seen players like Sanchez and and Dyer and Dombele get a loan, and and all these players that for a long time, I think a lot of the Spurs community was sort of considering to sort of be, you know, again quote unquote dead wood. And so I I think we're going to see more of that. I think players like Brian Hill, I I would assume that we're gonna we're gonna find a way to 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 move him on, whether that's on a loan or something more permanent. It just hasn't quite worked out for him. And so it seems like Gill's maybe being offered a ticket out. And so I would assume that if Spurs get the opportunity to do that, that, that they probably will. It seems like if if we were to get rid of someone like Brian Hill, that it seems like this Nusa, Antonio Nusa, is, is is an option for us. It seems like negotiations negotiations are, are getting pretty serious for him. And I'm excited to see how it works out. You know, I think it's it's important we don't lose context of the fact that, you know, the way the transfer market is that we're having to pay upwards of 30, 35 million for a player who has really only played in Belgium. And so, but that guess that's just the nature of the transfer market. Now that still seems wild to me. Let's not lose context of what $30 million is, but, but I, you know, I do think that I do think that there's an opportunity for us to, to kind of go in and get this, this kid who, who seems, who seems pretty interested in being playing for Spurs. And, and I think, you know, the Dragusin, transfer really proved that that Spurs is a place that people want to be right now and so I think that um I think that Noosa could could be a great one for us it seems like if if some of the transfer speculation is to be believed that the talks are about us signing him and then loaning him back to club Bruges for the rest of this this year and in the in the recent years we've had really really good success with deals like that you look at players like Pap Sar who we signed I think it was from oh, I can't remember maybe it was from uh, Lons somewhere in France I, or Metz. It was from Metz. We signed him from him. We, 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 we signed him and then loaned him back for a year and he did great. We did the same thing with Udogi. And so honestly, the structure of that possible deal, I'm really in favor of. And so I'd be interested to see him. He looks really exciting. Looks like a player for the future, especially, you know, as, as little as we all want to think about it. Son is, is 30, nearly 31 now. And, and I think that, you know, we're, we're approaching that time where, you know, there will eventually need to be a new guard and, and bring in exciting wingers. We've done it with 
with Brennan Johnson and, and bringing in exciting winner, wingers who have, you know, finishing capabilities uh, is really important for us. Uh, as for midfielders, it seems like there's still some chat about Gallagher. You know, I, I really don't know about Gallagher. Honestly, I look at the type of player that we have in, in Oliver Skip, which is, you know, a young English-born player, really high energy, wins the ball back. His, you know, his final product could, could probably be better. And to me, those, that, that is Oliver Skip to a T. You don't expect Oliver Skip to come on and, and do anything other than play for the badge, win a couple balls, make some interceptions, maybe make some forward passes, but also make a couple mistakes. And, and you see the same thing out of Connor Gallagher. So 50, if you, if you're, if, if I'm, if I've got $50 million in my pocket and I'm choosing a midfielder for, for Tottenham, you know, I like the mold in which Gallagher, you know, plays. He's a strong, he's athletic, you know, he's, he's box to box midfielder, but he just doesn't quite have that finishing, uh, that end product, that finishing quality that, that, maybe you would expect from a box-to-box midfielder. And I think that we kind of have that player in, in Oliver Skip, especially as Saar and Basuma kind of come back into, into the fold from their international duty. And so, you know, I, I'd be I'd be surprised if we ended up doing anything for Gallagher, especially if some of the figures are to be, to be believed. I think something in the range of 50 million seems absurd to me. But, but again, that's just maybe the nature of the transfer market. Um, and then lastly, moving on to Emerson Royale, you know, it's weird finding myself talking about Emerson Royale in any other context other than, oh, I'm ready to see this guy this guy gone. But honestly, the last 12 months or so have been a revelation for Emerson Royale. You know, he's back coming with goals. He's he's played at center back. He's played at right back. He's played at left back. You know, he's, he's done the inverted winger or the wing back role. He's been great for us. And so it seems like some of this transfer speculation around, around uh, him going to Al Nasser in, in Saudi Arabia is, it seems like there is some possible truth behind it. And I think, again, you look at Spurs and you look at Daniel Levy, he is a businessman. And if, 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 if a club comes in and wants to pay us 30 to 35 million for, for Emerson Royale, it's hard to imagine a world in which Daniel Levy says no to that. That being said, our squad depth, especially in the right back spot, is not great. And so I'd be, I'd still be pretty surprised if Emerson Royale went. And also, you know, I don't know if I necessarily want to see him gone. I think he, I think this last 12 months has proved that, you know, he's, he's adept at a couple different positions across the back four. And he, you know, he, he wants to contribute. He wants to get forward. He wants to bag goals. He wants to put good balls in. And so, you know, I think there, there, that it, that it would be hard to see Emerson Royale go both, uh, both from a fan's perspective and also from a tactician's perspective. I, I, I don't, I don't think that it makes sense him leaving. Moving on to, to some of the Spurs who are away on international duty. Sonny's in action tomorrow against Malaysia. It looks like South Korea is pretty much pretty much set to advance, assuming that they can get past Malaysia. Basuma started today against Namibia. Uh, it seems like Mali against all odds have got a pretty good shot of going through, which which is which is pretty exciting. Uh, if you're you know if we're fans of Basuma and we want to see him do well. That being said, I think selfishly as a Spurs fan, it would be it would be pretty great if if Molly did get knocked out. But again, I you know I want our, our Spurs away to, to do well, and uh, and so you know I'm not wishing any ill will on Molly, but you know a, a swift exit from the African Cup of Nations for for Basuma wouldn't be the worst thing in the world from a Spurs perspective. Uh, that being said, he's he's been playing well, and so 
Uh, I would expect that to continue as as they move into the knockout rounds. Same with Saar, who with Senegal, who's had a great tournament so far. Saar started in their 2-0 win against Guinea, and so it seems like Senegal is going to be moving through. But I I think we all kind of expected with the quality that Senegal have that that they're gonna that they're gonna move move on to the to the knockout knockout stages and so and, and you know kind of go deep in the tournament. So. So I think all of those are kind of to be expected. I think the only one that maybe we didn't quite expect was Basuma and Mali to kind of continue through, but but it seems like they're having a good tournament, and so our Spurs away are are, have, are finding good success, which you want. You you know you want your players on international duty to to find success and 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 find a hunger for that success, and then and then bring it back to Spurs and in the locker room. There there's an element of of bringing international success back to a locker room and players, they they want to, to be a part of that and they also want to find that for their club. And so it's all good experience. As for Spurs on loan, Alfie Devine, Ashley Phillips, absolutely killing it with Plymouth Argyle on loan so far. Uh, again, the, the championship, like the Premier League, has had a bit of a, a winter break, but Plymouth Argyle had a nice uh, 3-1 win a couple weeks ago or earlier this week, I should say. And so they're they're playing well, uh, especially Alfie Devine, Ashley Phillips comes straight into their starting eleven, and there's so much quality in those two players. It's it's good to see them in a you know mid table championship side, you know, playing well and, and doing well. Uh, it seems like Jed Spence had a good start to life for Genoa. They won two one over this past weekend, um, and as we move to other Spurs on loan, it seems like uh, Tangy and Dombele, the saga that is Tangy and Dombele's. He seems unsettled in Turkey. The club seem to have kind of turned their back on him. So we will see what happens. It seems like he wants to find solace back in France. But honestly, the clock's ticking on this guy. I, I mean, the clock has been ticking on this guy. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what team in France is going to look at his productivity over the last two, three years and say that they want him on the team. But that being said, he's still a Spurs player. I want him to go find success, get in shape, and then, you know, at the very least, increase his transfer value so that when we sell him, it's not a total loss from our nearly $70 million investment in him a couple years ago. So so that's kind of it for, for Spurs on loan that, that I'm seeing at least today. Last thing as we kind of wrap up here, Joe Lewis, um, one of our principal inv- uh, owners of, of, of Tottenham or of the group that owns Tottenham, this Enoch board, He's pled guilty to insider training in, in the U.S. He's confined in the U.S. on one count of conspiracy to commit securities fraud, two counts of uh, securities fraud, uh, terms restricting him from leaving the U.S. But I think from a Spurs perspective, you know, it doesn't really seem like he's involved too much um, in terms of any sort of day-to-day operations. He's not a person of significant control. That was kind of stated a couple years ago by the club. So there should be no effect on the club operations. But it's been a busy week for Spurs. A lot of stuff going on. Obviously headlined by Madison returning as well as the the build-up to the Manchester City clash on Friday. We've also got a really big clash against Brentford coming up next week, midweek. That's a really big one, especially as Ivan Toney comes back into the fold. That's going to be a, a full test of us and kind of a full circle match for us, especially as they were sort of our first match of the season. We sort of drew them 2-2 away to Brentford, and so I think that's going to be a really good litmus test for, for how much progress that we've made. But we're going to have a chance to talk about that next week. We're also going to have a chance to review the Manchester City FA Cup match, which is coming up this Friday, and any transfers between then and now, as well as our, our international spurs and our spurs on loan. And, and who knows, maybe another top executive getting 
getting uh, found guilty of all sorts of different charges here in the U.S. So until then, until we meet again, thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Sam Holden, here on Stateside Lily Whites. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter or X. That's huge, especially as we start to grow. And be sure to recommend us to your friends, both Tottenham fans, maybe your Arsenal fans who need a, a reality check, as well as just your football fans. And as always, up the Spurs. Tottenham till I die. Come on, you Spurs. You know it all. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.